from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. We feel the information presented by the consumer advocacy groups does not accurately reflect our lending practices or values, and we trust the resulting review process by the Federal Reserve. So we have a lot of concerns with how the regulators have failed to identify these issues, um, as well as the Office of Comptroller of the Currency and the Department of Justice. To say that they will do any different uh, than they've done in the past uh, is, is not reflected in the offer that they made to us. I'm Sarah Fenske. Illinois-based First Mid Bank and Trust wants to merge with St. Louis's historic Jefferson Bank and Trust. But fair housing advocates want the Federal Reserve to block the merger. They say they've uncovered, quote, significant and widespread redlining and fair lending concerns on the part of First Mid Bank. And joining us today to tell us more are the co-chairs of the St. Louis Equal Housing and Community Reinvestment Alliance. Co-chair Elizabeth Risch is also assistant director of the Metropolitan St. Louis Equal Housing and Opportunity Council. Elizabeth, welcome. Thanks. Hi. And Elizabeth's co-chair in the alliance is Jackie Hutchinson. She is also the executive director of the Consumers Council of Missouri. Uh, Jackie, welcome. Hi. So Elizabeth, let's start with you. What prompted the alliance to do an initial review of First Mid's mortgage lending data? Yeah, our coalition has been in existence for just about 12 years now, and we're regularly looking at banks, um, about how the, how banks are doing and meeting the needs of the community, specifically low and moderate income communities and communities of color. So we're often looking at bank data, um, analyzing mortgage lending trends, um, mapping branch locations, um, and having conversations with banks about what they're doing in the community. And so um, First Mid came across our radar because they were applying to buy Jefferson Bank and Trust. And we took a look at their data, not just in St. Louis, but in their other Illinois markets, and noticed a lot of concerning things about how they were lending to African-American borrowers and communities. So that stuck out to us as something that we needed to look into a bit more and do a little bit more research um, and conversation with the bank, um, and then let us ultimately to, to writing our comment letter and not supporting the merger. So Elizabeth, I'd love to hear just a little bit more about what you learned when you dug into their data. What can you tell us about um, how First Mid is doing when it comes to serving people of color and lower income communities? Yeah, the, the staggering numbers that we saw were about their lending to um, uh, black borrowers and communities in St. Louis. Um, they've been in operation in the St. Louis region for a few years now, mainly in St. Clair County and Madison County, but also have a presence in the city in St. Louis County. And um, the kind of the, the statistic that really stuck out to us is that over the last few years, um, in 2020, 2019, and in 2018, um, that they had, you know, in 2020 specifically, they had about um, 778 mortgage applications all across the region, and only 14 of those came from African-American borrowers, and they then originated or financed only seven of those. So that's like 1% of their mortgage lending. Wow. And in our region, when African-Americans, you know, make up about 20%, 25% of the population, that that really stuck out to us as a point of concern. 
um, and raised a lot of red flags. Jackie, what stuck out to you when you looked at the data involving First Mid? Well, like Elizabeth said, it was the lending to African-American borrowers and in African-American communities. Uh, For example, in the East St. Louis area, uh, areas that are predominantly African-American, areas like Belleville, Illinois, there were very few, if any, loans in those um, in the last three years. Um, the, the the data showed that the even in the areas where there are moderate uh, income blacks, that there are uh, moderate to uh, middle income blacks, that there were no uh, loan originations. Um, and so we were very concerned about uh, just the, the lack of lending to uh, African-American borrowers. Jackie, is it possible that this is just a bank that African-American borrowers don't want to work with? Uh, you know, could this just be a matter of customer choice? What what do you, well, what's your supposition of what's going on here? Yeah, so banks have an obligation to serve all of the customers in, uh, in their uh, catchment area. And so, if they are, if, if African American borrowers don't want to go to that bank, it's because of their practices. It's, it's a there's a reason that they don't. They don't. They're not reached out to. Uh, maybe they don't know the bank exists in their neighborhood, and all of that is a problem because that bank has an obligation to serve all of the customers in their service area. And so the disparity, the fact that that 20% of the area is African-American, and, and they're doing, uh, you know, 14 originations and only approving seven of them is a big problem. It's, it's a problem in their advertising, a problem in their staffing of, of the ba- in the banks. Uh, there are, are reasons that they are not reaching the African-American community. Elizabeth, Jackie described this as an obligation they have. Is that an actual obligation under the law? Yeah, I mean, there's fair lending laws and civil rights laws that that say that it's illegal to discriminate in in housing transactions, um, in lending transactions. There's the Fair Housing Act, the Equal Credit Opportunity Act. You know, it's illegal to discriminate on the basis of race or the racial composition of a neighborhood. And, um, you know, this uh, some of the numbers that we saw, as Jackie mentioned, you know, brings up concerns of redlining, that they are failing to lend or provide services to black communities. Um, and all of these things are illegal. Um, they're not allowed to do it. And um, they have an extra obligation to make sure that they are reaching all parts of the community under these civil rights laws, but also banking regulations like the Community Reinvestment Act um, that really was intended to um, eradicate redlining and say that banks have this extra obligation to be serving all parts of the community. And so some of the issues that we've noted with First Mid is that they uh, their data, their um, lending practices, where their branches are located, all kind of speak to an issue um, that they're not meeting these obligations. So our producer reached out to First Mid to let them know they were going to be a topic on today's show and to see what kind of response they had to these allegations. Um, 
they gave her a pretty lengthy statement. I'm going to read part of it here. We might get to a different part um, in answer to a different area we'll talk about. But one thing they said is, quote, we feel the information presented by the consumer advocacy groups does not accurately reflect our lending practices or values, and we trust the resulting review process by the Federal Reserve. We have engaged in productive dialogue with these consumer advocacy groups and have shared with them our plans to introduce new, low, and assisted down payment mortgage products to better serve low-income and minority home buyers inside the St. Louis region. With this merger, we also plan to increase community investments and partnerships in the area. And that is a statement from First Mid Bank and Trust. Now, Jackie, the alliance met with people at First Mid Bank and Trust, as they referred to in that statement. This happened in early October, before you sent those letters opposed to the merger to the Federal Reserve. How did those initial meetings go? Well, we were really um, taken aback that um, we looked at the, the same publicly available data that they have uh, available to them, and they found no problem uh, with the data. We didn't make up any of the data. Uh, it, it's publicly available, and we reviewed uh, the data as it is presented to them and as, as it is presented uh, to us. Um, they felt that the fact that they had a satisfactory rating uh, in their uh, last uh, review meant that they were doing good. And, and that's, I mean, that was their, um, you know, their opinion was that they, they were a good bank and that they were doing uh, what they were supposed to be doing because they, they had a satisfactory. And um, the data told a different story than that. The data told the story of redlining and of not serving African-American communities and uh, not having staff that would be responsive to the the needs of of the community. Um, And so I'm not sure what uh you know what their what their statement means (laughs) yeah so it sounds um, like they were kind of caught off guard by the fact that you guys are coming in and saying hey you're not doing a good job on this after you sat down and and explained this to them and tried to walk them through it did you get the sense that they were willing to make changes jackie was that your sense of things or did they seem a little bit more defensive well they seem to be willing to make change but not to the magnitude that it would take to correct what they've done in the past. So the change that they were offering was in the St. Louis area associated with the merger of Jefferson Bank. But the record that they have is throughout the whole region. And so to to say that they will do any different uh, than they've done in the past uh, for the region as a whole uh, is is not reflected in the offer that they made to us. Elizabeth, um, was was that also your feelings at this meeting that they maybe were were trying to give on some points, but that overall they didn't seem to understand the totality of how big um, you see this problem as being? 
Yeah, you know, we've had some really good productive conversations with um, with the bank, um, sitting down with them and leaders from Jefferson Bank at the beginning of October. And, you know, we've maintained dialogue with them about what needs to happen and kind of what changes. And I really am encouraged that those discussions are continuing. Um, I think at the end of the day, though, our coalition is about accountability. And we felt like the data and their kind of performance was to the level that we really needed to raise this issue to the regulators, to the banking regulators like the Federal Reserve, um, as well as the Office of Comptroller of the Currency and the Department of Justice, because um, they're, they're, they need to be kind of held accountable to, to their past performance. Um, at the same time, you know, all of our coalition members um, are still invested in, in assisting and continuing to talk to the bank about how to make those changes and recommendations. Um, and so I think we're, we're, we're hoping for more productive conversations. Um, at the same time, the regulators, the banking regulators doing what they're supposed to be doing and taking a really close look at, um, at our concerns and allegations. Our guests today are Elizabeth Risch, the Assistant Director of the Metropolitan St. Louis Equal Housing and Opportunity Council, and Jackie Hutchinson, who's the Executive Director of the Consumer Councils of Missouri. Um, they are the co-chairs of the St. Louis Equal Housing and Community Reinvestment Alliance that is opposing the proposed merger of First Mid Bank and Trust with St. Louis's Jefferson Bank and Trust. Um, Elizabeth, one thing I wanted to mention here, um, it, it sounds like they're touting that they do have this satisfactory rating from the Office of the Comptroller of the currency. That's their current regulator. How would you explain that in light of some of these troubling statistics? That's the big question. Um, so we have a lot of concerns with how the regulators have failed to identify these issues. And so the Office of Comptroller of the Con Currency, the OCC, you know, they do regular Community Reinvestment Act exams. They look at fair lending. Um, First Mid previously just recently went through another merger with Providence Bank. And so we have similar questions about how um, these redlining issues and fair lending issues have not come to light previously. Um, and so I think, you know, that's something that we're hoping to get answers from by the regulators themselves to give a more thorough explanation of how this, um, how they considered the bank's performance and, and what happened. And I think that's what our coalition is, is interested in following up on, too, is that the regulators are just as responsible for letting this slide. So, Elizabeth, now that you have sent these very detailed letters um, opposing <laughs> this merger and raising these concerns, what happens now as far as the Federal Reserve is concerned? So the Federal Reserve is taking a look at the application, the merger application. They do kind of a, a, a whole process um, of reviewing that application. We really are hoping that they take a close look at all of our concerns laid out in detail in the letter. Um, and, you know, at the same time, we as advocates continue to talk to the bank and, and hear kind of what changes are happening. Um, you know, I think it's also important to note that we sent our letter to the Department of Justice and are hoping that um, that there's other enforcement agencies like the Department of Justice that look at these redlining concerns. Just last week, the Department of Justice and the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and the OCC announced a major redlining initiative. And so there's interest um, across 
across the country from these um, enforcement agencies and banking regulators that I think this um, kind of our action here and our concerns fit into the larger landscape. Um, and so we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what the regulators do. So in the statement that First Mid gave to our producer, they said that the concerns being raised by um, advocates, including the alliance, that this has not given them pause about going through with this proposed merger. Here's a quote from their statement. Throughout our bank's 156-year history, First Mid has always taken compliance with regulations very seriously and have prided ourselves on making an impact in the communities we serve. Throughout this merger process and beyond, we welcome the opportunity to continue working with community partners to explore new ways of improving access and enhancing outreach for those we serve to be certain we are meeting the needs of our communities. Now, Jackie, this reminds me something else I wanted to talk to you guys about today, and that is that the name of the bank that they're merging with, that's Jefferson Bank and Trust here in St. Louis, this is a name that carries a lot of resonance for people who know their civil rights history. Can you just remind us of of what makes Jefferson Bank such a touchstone for people and, and how that plays into what's going on right now? Yes. So the history of the uh, Jefferson Bank uh, movement was that uh, it was a protest in um, started in 1963, and uh, it was protesting uh, jobs for uh, African Americans and and not being hired in uh, in financial institutions of, or banks or Jefferson Bank in particular throughout the region, and um, uh, African American leaders went to jail, um, and they got out and came back and protested. Uh, We had doctors and uh, politicians and uh, other community leaders that came day after day and protested until there was change. And and it it opened up a wide new uh, area of jobs for African Americans who had never uh, worked in financial institutions, had never worked in uh, as, as tellers. They they'd never worked as um, checkers in in stores. It it opened up a wide range of jobs, hmm. and uh, so it has historical significance for African Americans uh, moving into a new area era of employment. Uh, and of civil rights, uh, the the fact that we had uh, civil rights leaders willing to go to jail um, and get out and go back to jail uh, for the right to uh, not only uh, utilize that bank, but to be employed there and to have people like that look like them employed in the banks. So, Elizabeth, do you see the relevance of that history in light of the complaints um, that you filed with the Federal Reserve and the, c- the concerns you've raised with the Department of Justice as far as it goes uh, with First Mid's performance and its attempts to merge with Jefferson Bank? Completely. I mean, that that was a really significant um, p- part about what our coalition members raised when we were discussing this merger, that this, you know, Jefferson Bank, the history, the significance um, in civil rights history in St. Louis is really important. And um, for a bank that has redlining concerns, that has fair lending concerns, um, it just adds to to some of our concerns and red flags that this is not a good merger, that we need um, to see a lot more in place before we can support this merger. So I think that 
that was another really critical piece of this transaction that raised a lot of our issues and raised concerns from our members. Well, Elizabeth Risch, I thank you so much for joining us today and and sharing with us about this issue. Thanks for having us. Elizabeth is the Assistant Director of the Metropolitan St. Louis Equal Housing and Opportunity Council, and also Jackie Hutchinson. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having us. And Jackie is Executive Director of the Consumers Council of Missouri. And Elizabeth and Jackie are co-chairs of the St. Louis Equal Housing and Community Reinvestment Alliance. This episode was produced by Evie Hemphill with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.